Hey, hey, everybody, yeah. welcome back. It's Thursday, February the 9th, 2023, and joined with us on this very special episode of Sap and Chats is the one and only one of boxing's truly good guys, Ronnie Rios from the Golden Boy Stable himself. So, guys, if you want to check out this spectacular interview and find out all these amazing facts and, and knowledge that's just going to blow your fucking mind, join us on yeah. Sap and Chats. Here we go. And in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Sap and Chats. I'm your host, Bobby Sampson. Up there in that corner is my man, Chance Michaels, the man with the master plan. And right below us, one of boxing's true, true good guys, Mr. Ronnie Rios himself, direct from the Golden Boy Stable. Ronnie, thank you for coming on the show tonight. It's a pleasure. It's an honor. And it's a privilege. Uh, thank you guys for inviting me. It's always a pleasure to, you know, to do a podcast, especially with somebody new. I think this might be our first time doing it, correct? Yeah, right. absolutely. And uh, I don't know if you've ever done a podcast with a couple of dudes from Canada, but this is the first year for you as in, as well. Cool, man. You know, uh, what part of Canada are you guys from? We're on the West Coast, man. We're just above you in Vancouver. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, my, my wife and I wanted to go to Vancouver a couple of years back, but uh, I think at that time, that's when we fought i want to see jason no not jason the lens who was it when we fought well, it was a it was a pretty big fight so we had to cancel our uh, trip well brother man uh the invitation is open if you ever decide to come up to vancouver we will you. definitely take care of you show you <laughs> around and make sure you're 100 percent comfortable in our city i appreciate it man I'm, I'm gonna take you i'm gonna take you guys up on that offer right? and yeah, i hope you do and we don't throw <laughs> out offers without hoping that you go take us up on it thank you thank you guys i appreciate it like exactly. i said Really appreciate the hospitality that you are uh, giving me today. Absolutely, thank no. Thank you for for giving us your time as well. So, Ronnie, let's start this off right. Right. Um, you know, I guess the one question most people start with is, "How did you get into boxing?" I'm going to change it up a little bit and say, "What magazine did you pick up that got you interested in boxing? And what heavyweight fight did you watch that got you into boxing?" That's funny because the first one I think that I read was a KO magazine. Of Vernon Forrest versus Sugar Shane Moldy Part Two, and I remember I I looked at the names. I was like, man, those are some cool names, man. You know, and I picked it up and I read the centerfold, and um, obviously, you know, it was Part Two, so um, they already had like uh, Sugar Shane or Moldy already had his previous loss. So I started reading about it, and then actually, the first heavyweight fight that I ever saw was Fresno Kendo versus Chris Bird, I think, yeah. and then the first actual fight that I saw like. From, from start to finish was Floyd Mayweather versus Jose, Castillo, Jose Luis Castillo part two. Oh, wow, wow, wow. And that, yeah. that was it, eh? You were, you were in? I was hooked, man. I was real hooked. And then after that, I started going to the boxing gym. And then I remember they started telling me about competing in the amateurs. Mm -hmm. And um, they were telling me about, like, the silver gloves, ringside, junior golden gloves. I remember... Uh, uh, Mary Lara, she's like the she's like the one in charge of TKO. She yeah. used to have a bunch of um a bunch of the the, the bouts in previous times. And I remember I started reading all the names. I was I like studied the I studied the the matchups and stuff like that. So I kept seeing the same people over and over again. And I kept saying like I want to fight this guy. I want to fight that guy because you know he won this. He won this. And I was always about challenging myself and fighting the best. And, you know I've always continued to do that ever since then. Awesome! Awesome! So, Ronnie, who were some of your favorite fighters watching growing up? I used to like the fast guys, like Floyd Mayweather, um, Sugar Shane Mosley, 
I used to like um I don't know if you guys ever seen Melgic Taylor. Yeah. Yeah, Melgic Taylor, uh Sugar Ray Leonard, uh Jose uh, no, um Julio Cesar Chavez. I was a big fan of Julio Cesar Chavez, Marco Antonio Barrera, Eric Morales, Oscar Deloya. You know, I remember the first time I ever saw Oscar Deloya fight, I wanna say it was Yuri Boy Campas. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, I was like, that was, that was a good fight, you know. Yeah, I was raised with Oscar uh, predominantly. I mean, for myself, firstly, I go right back. For me, it's Hagler. Hagler is my hero. Oh, yeah. Uh, that guy was blue-collar workaholic. Oh, he was my hero. My first fight that I ever watched, I'm not trying to make myself sound old, but it, I think it was a tape delay or something, or it was taped fight, but it was Hearns Hagler, and it was on ABC Wide World of Sports Saturday morning. And my dad made me watch it, and I was hooked. I just fell in love with boxing at that point, and it was just like, yeah. you know, that was that was it for me. Uh, Ronnie, I have this one question for you. I, one thing I've always, what we try to do here is, like, we talk about psychology a lot. You know, that's okay. kind of our focus. We want to talk about the psychology of boxing, and, you know, having you on here, I'd love to pick your brain a little bit about that. What What kind of psychology do you go into a fight with? Or is, um, it, is it different from fight to fight? It's different from fight to from fight to fight, and it's also different the way you prepare for it. You know, if you prepare yourself real good, then obviously you're gonna go into a fight a lot more confident than you know than looking back and like, man, I could have done this different, I could have done that. Mm-hmm. And I noticed for me personally, the thing that um the thing that really stands out about my good caps was the eating habits because mm-hmm. as a fighter, you know, you gotta be you gotta be in tip top shape, and if you're eating junk food. And yeah. obviously, you'll fill it in the ring. You'll fill it in your in the gym. You'll fill it in your runs. Right, right. So, um, overall, I think to me that's one of the most important parts because when you go into a cap, you want to be about 10, 13, 14 pounds over. So when you start working hard, it starts coming off easily. Okay. What's your walking around weight then before a fight? Uh, before a fight, I used to be like around one thirty six to one thirty, one forty. Yeah, and you and, then, and you, and you fight at one twenty two, correct? I fought at 126 and then I dropped down to 122. Yeah. Wow. Why the draw? Wouldn't that be harder? Um, I just felt like I was smaller than all these other fighters, and I just felt like if I if I if I disciplined myself more and worked out harder, I could make mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no chance I would ever make it. I would make 122 ever again. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, with your walk around weight at 135, would you ever have considered fighting at that weight, or this wouldn't have worked for you? No, I think I would. I think ideally I would fight 126. That would be yeah one twenty six. Um, as of right now, I am kind of like retired, but um, but uh, you know, you never know in the future. Uh, right now, right now, um, I'm just trying to get in the best possible shape for my, for my little baby girl comes, mm. and then you never know. You know, sometimes as a fighter, you always get that itch and you want to see where you stand. You know, so the door isn't closed yet. I mean, as of right now, it kind of is, but then uh, back of your mind, you always want to wonder. You always want to wonder, like, how far can it go? If, you know, if, if I obviously just put this loss behind me, because as a fighter, that's the hardest thing to ever put behind you is a loss, especially when you know the referee stops the fight. That's you never want to go out like that. It's like, damn. No, no, you, uh, you ask yourself, do I want to just call it a career and end my career like this, or do I want to come back and just give it one last hard try? Now, I, I, sorry, I just want to segue into this because this kind of walks right into this next question I have for you. So I watched your fight with uh, Roy Tapia uh, when he had his red hair. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was watching that and, you know, I, I noticed that you beat the shit out of his body and, you know, you definitely, yeah. you did a number on him. Now, the reason I bring this particular fight up is in, in regards to retiring and whatnot, the commentators were saying in that fight that beforehand, I think Roy was looking to retire and you talked him out of it. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and then you kicked his ass. So, <laughs> uh, so the thing is i think i believe him and i we had spoken outside the belasco theater after fights yeah. and uh i was like hey what's up because obviously we knew each other in the amateurs I was like, hey what's up dude he's like how you doing then like, oh, i lost like a fight or two ago and it's like i'm calling it quits and i was like oh you know what man like, if you want to call it quits go ahead but if you feel like he can still compete i was like just give it all you got man and then he decided to come back out of retirement, and then we did have that fight, and then he obviously he retired for good. And it's been a couple of years since that fight. Yeah, yeah, no, I just thought it was a really interesting dynamic because I know on a podcast that you did about four or five months ago, you mentioned that yeah, you were retired. So I was going to ask you, are you officially yeah. retired now? But you kind of answered that for us already. Yeah, I mean, like I said, like as a fighter, you know, I I do have a I do have a couple of things going on that are pretty that are steady. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously, it's bringing money to the table, but it's just you never, you always just boxing for me was my first love. You know, I used to yeah, I used to sleep, breathe it, eat it all the all the time. And as a fighter, you just for me not necessary for me necessarily. I don't miss the attention. I don't miss the, oh, take a picture or oh, you know this and that. I miss the competition. Mm-hmm. I miss the waking up. And it's funny that you say that because even to this day, I still wake up early to go run like at six thirty in the morning. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I literally just got out of the gym right now, second workout. And so your mind starts to play with you. And it's like, I always tell my wife, if if I can get down and wait to a certain weight, I want to see if, if I do spar how how I feel. Because as a fighter, you also got to be real realistic. You know, you got to be truthful to yourself. And if you're not doing good, then obviously you don't need to keep going forward. Mm-hmm. Ronnie, what are some of your most memorable fights that stand out for you? Um, I think the Diego De Loya fight stands out the most, not because of the fight itself, but because prior to that fight, um, prior to that fight, I was financially struggling. My wife and I, we were like financially struggling. It just, it seemed like a roller coaster going down. Just you, I, we were never gonna recover. Like financial, um, you know, after the, after the after the the previous fight. After the Azal fight, a lot of my so-called friends stopped talking to me. You know, so I had a lot of friends. I had a lot of friends that weren't friends anymore. I was in a hard pickle financially, and I was I was depressed after the Azal fight. You know, I was I was down. Sorry, guys, my dog. <laughs> and um, I was so so when they stopped the fight to me, that was like man, I was like all that hard work that I put in, all that sacrifice I put in, um, finally paid off. Yeah, uh, that was uh, back in March 9th, right? When you fought him? Uh, March, I want to say June or July. July 9th. Which fight are we talking about? Sorry? Uh, uh, De La Hoya. De, De La Hoya. Oh, the, De La Hoya. Sorry, that was July 13th, 2019. Yeah, yeah, because I remember for... I'm really big on, on uh, 4th of July. Yeah. And I like to buy fireworks. And I remember <laughs> prior to that fight, like I said, I was broke, so I couldn't buy any fireworks. And I was like, man, this this sucks. You know, I don't know. I can't buy any fireworks. And it just, it drove me more, you know. It just, it made me want to want it even more. 100%, 100%. And that kind of comes back to the psychology again, right? Of the, course, of course. The, the, the mindset. Fighter, you know, 
Yeah, yeah. You gotta. I think you have to control the nerves. You gotta. You know. You gotta really want it, but at the same time, this sport is very psychological. Very. You know. It's. I think it's ninety percent more mental than it is physical. Oh, hundred percent. Absolutely. Um. Let's talk about sacrifice. Uh, how did that play for you in, in your role? Oh, sacrifices. That's huge. You know, and when I say sacrifice is going to bed early, um, not spending time with your family, uh, not eating what you want to eat, you know, uh, sticking to water and Gatorade. That's that, that sacrifice for eight to 10, 12 weeks. That's, you know, just it's pretty hard. But life in general, like even like from your debut, from the amateur days and whatnot, like the sacrifice <laughs> of of missing house parties or hanging out with your boys and part, you know what I mean? Like all of that as well. Like, you know, like to, to get that goal, to get that, to get to where you need to go. How much, did yeah. that, how many friends did you lose through that process who didn't understand and, you know, didn't appreciate what you were trying to achieve? Mm, the thing about it, to be honest with you guys is um, uh, like growing up, I used to hang out with mostly family. And okay. some friends, yeah, some friends. And then obviously with that, you, you obviously you start losing friends because you can't go to their parties or you can't do this. And they get upset and it's like, okay, I'm not going to hang out with this guy. But like to this day, I still have the same like four or five friends that actually stuck by my side, win, lose, regardless. There's yeah. actually one of them here right now. <laughs> That's awesome, man. And I tell yeah. you what, man, I think as we get older, we realize that, you know, we could have had 100,000 friends, but at the end of the day, we end up with like three. And it's and it's funny because it's you funny know? because like when everything is going good, everybody's like your friend. Oh, everybody has their hand out. Yeah. Everybody's like, yeah, everyone's like, oh, you you know, you're my boy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when you lose and then when you retire, you these people stop hanging out with you. You invite them. They only show up for a minute or they don't even show up to your parties at all. Yeah, and yeah. then, yeah, trust me, I experienced that the right. I experienced that the, the, the rough way, but the ones that I continue to hang out with, when I was when I lost my fights when I retired, they still stuck by my side. They still invited me. They still came through. Yeah. Um, so that's those are the friends that I continue to hang out with now. You know. And we completely understand that as we you know journey start our journey on this road here. Like we plan to be the world's biggest podcast at some point. We're gonna do it. We're gonna. <laughs> yeah, we're, of, course, we, of course. We're gonna do it, right? But you know. Through, through the beginning of what we're doing as well, we're experiencing the same thing. Oh, this is lame. Oh, you guys have no idea. Blah, blah, blah. You know what I say yeah. to the wall? Straight up, fuck you. Leave us alone. <laughs> exactly, you exactly. You know, yeah. exactly. And it's different to say it than actually mean it because I used to, I used to say, oh, I don't care. I don't, I don't care about social. But deep down inside, you you still get hurt by, oh, why doesn't this person call me? Oh, you know, this person yeah. is what I am. But oh, yeah. like, my wife, I told my wife, like, we have a second baby on the way. Yeah, I was like, honestly, man, I was like, to me, that's all that that's that's all that's all that matters is like no, my family, my close friends. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Same here. We're on the same page here. Uh, Ronnie, I just want to ask you about um, Hector Lopez, man. It's very rare that a boxer will stay with the same trainer from day one. I think the only other guy that I know of that did it for the longest time was Anthony Joshua with Rob McCracken. Uh, but he since kind of moved on to new trainers as well. How was that yeah. relationship, and what, why, why did you stay with him through for forever? Like, did, was there any point that you thought about switching it up after a loss or something, or going in a different direction? No, not at all. Um, before it was just like you know, I, I I've always I've always been a fur a fur believer of loyalty, so I decided to stick around. Yeah, and um, you know, obviously we we started this together, and 
been together since then. So it's about so, it. And what sector? So, Ronnie, you've you've fought in a lot of famous arenas. Do you have any one arena in particular that you prefer to fight in? That you got the goosebumps for Madison Square Garden, Mandalay Bay, anything like that? No, no, Madison Square Garden. To be honest with you guys, um, I wasn't a hundred percent mentally for mental for that fight, so I wasn't able to actually like, so like feel it, you know, to actually be like tell myself I'm actually here. The one that I did feel good was at the Mandalay Bay. That one I remember feeling like so. I felt like I was mentally there. It's this. It's hard to explain. You know, there's some fights that you remember everything like. You remember walking to the arena. You remember showering before walking out, stuff like that. But then there's some fights that, like, you know, that you just don't remember too much. It's just, it's just a blur. Okay. And, and, and Madison Square Garden was one of them. I it was just, I remember it being cold. I remember just like having this attitude that I was just like, ah, oh, you know, it's, it's whatever. Now, um, you're you're known as a volume puncher. Is that by design, or is that just something you became? Was that what you wanted? your style to be not that one of my stats but it's just to me ever since i was in the amateurs i just always felt like you always had to outwork your opponents okay you know but like lately i have been going back to the gym and i've been working out and um there's just some things that i would personally change instead of volume i think i would move around more and throw my punches harder you know what i mean it's like instead of just throwing five or six shots where let's just say three or four are going to be effective and the other ones are just wasted punches. I would do one, two, maybe three hard shots and step around because this game has Mayweather put it best. You know, you, this is a long game. The less wear you take, the more you last. Yeah, I've always looked at it as like a, a game of snooker or pool. Even though you're shooting at the five ball, you're picturing where that cue ball is going to be two yeah. or three shots later down the road. So it's just like you're playing that one shot to see exactly the long game. Of course. it's all um, about longevity, you know. But but being a volume puncher as well, that means your cardio must just be phenomenal, right? So I mean, if you try to change it up to to kind of shorter punches and whatnot, adding more power, that's just going to benefit you more, wouldn't it? I think it would. I think uh, when I came back after the Azal fight, I think I was more focused on um, with the exception of the negative fight. I think I was focused on throwing harder shots, especially against Diego De Loya, and I think that kind of worked out for its best. I felt stronger. I felt more conditioned. Um, so I think that's like one thing like I wish I could just, ah, uh, that's what I always tell my brother Alex. Like, hey, you know what? Make your shots count instead of just wasting your shots. Mm-hmm. Don't stay in the pocket too long. And, uh, you know, that's that's something that I wish I can, you know, if I were to come back, I think that's one of the things I would focus on the most. Okay. Okay. Um, I guess, I guess we have to touch on this one here. Um, how hard is MJ's job? To, to what? MJ, uh, your last fight. How oh, yeah. hard? How hard does he throw? Oh, he yeah. I I think with the exception of Robinson Castellanos, I think he he hit the hardest. Yeah, he hit the hardest. It was like he a does? it was like a thudding punch. Yeah, yeah. It was like yeah. a thudding punch because I remember I felt I felt his punch on my glove and I was like, oh man, I gotta be careful. And then um, he did get me in the fourth round with a good body shot, and uh, I was like, oh man, that that really hurt. It. But by the twelfth round, he got me with another good shot, and I was like, okay, take a knee real quick, try to recover. I took a knee, and when I came back up, you know, he was th- the 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 last couple seconds, I I didn't feel his punch like, oh man, because I, I was still well aware of everything. So I remember the referee stopped the the referee stopped the fight, and I looked at the clock, and I was like, what the hell, man? There's like a minute and ten seconds left. Like, come on. Yeah, he He's stopped. Not, at, uh, he stopped it at two o six. 
Oh, it was like one. Well, it was like actually less because when I looked over, yeah, it was like a minute. Like, yeah, yeah, he probably had like a minute, minute five left in the round, or minute six. Yeah, left it in was the like round. Minute, yeah, yeah. Like, um, yeah. how do you feel about that when referees do that? Like, I mean, especially in the twelfth round. I mean, it's a championship round. Um, I mean, just as as a fan, how would you perceive that? What would you think of stuff like that? I mean, as a, as as a referee, that's his job, so I can't really blame him because he has to look out for the benefit of the of the fighter. Yeah. But I just felt like, in all in all, on the honesty, I wasn't like hurt. You know, I wasn't like, yeah. oh, that was a good body shot. I remember it vividly. But as far as like the head, I remember being there. I remember it was like, okay, move your head, move your head. But I, I was thinking to myself, like, oh man, like it was hard for me to get that 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 win back. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't have the scorecards in front of me, so unfortunately, I don't know how they were breaking it down. Um, I thought you showed yourself to be really good. I mean, at the end of the day, did you feel that you had? If that didn't happen, you would have won. Or how did no, you no. I think I think honestly, I think I think he was up big. Um, and you know, my hat goes off to MJ. He's a strong fighter. Not only is he a strong fighter, but obviously, you know, with the little amount of fights he has, he's accomplished so much. He's won two out of the four belts. So my hat goes off to him. And, you know, like I said, I can't take anything away from him. I'm not going to sit here and make excuses because I'm not that I'm not that type of fighter. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 100%. Ronnie, you've had a long, successful career. How many injuries have you dealt with and are you dealing with still to this day? Um, one of the, one of the injuries that really hurt was before my first loss, actually, excuse me, after my first loss, I was, I was, I was seeing blurry. So they took me to the ER, right? Because they had stopped the fight and I was like, no, nah, I'm okay. I was like, I don't need to go, but I couldn't see. So when I got to the ER, they made me do a MRI and, um, it turned out that one of my, no, no, sorry. It wasn't the Robinson fight. Sorry. Excuse me. It was for Roger. It was a Roger fight. I remember I couldn't see, and they took me to go do a uh, MRI, and it turned out that my orbital bone was broken already. But the oh, doctor, geez. yeah, the doctor had said that it, it had already been fractured prior to the fight. Oh my god! Actually, was was it the? It was one of those two fights. I want to say the Robinson Castellanos fight, maybe. I can't remember what fight it was, but the doctor said that the injury possibly already had, more than likely happened before, before the fight. Now I'm not sitting here to make an excuse. That's just what the doctor had told me. That's wow. one injury that I remember that I was like, oh man, like that one hurt. And then another injury too that really hurt was um it turned out that my tendon on my left hand too, that that was already like um that was already worn out like by the patty the other tendon. So I had to strengthen my hand out for a while. And I remember I was supposed to fight. I can't remember what I was supposed to fight, but they post put they actually we postponed it because of that. So I had to strengthen my hand out because all the all the muscle tissue was gone. Oh my goodness! So how do you how do you uh, rehabilitate that? I mean, but with that's the, your with, with the, the little putty or the yeah, 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 the, yeah. the grips. The there was a grips, yeah, yeah the yeah. spider, and then the putty, the okay. putty, whatever. Yeah, it still hurts to this day sometimes. Oh, it does. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, Gary Russell Jr. is in the amateurs. How was that? Oh man, he was good. He was good too. He was good for that fight. Honestly, I felt like I was in the zone for that fight. So it was kind of like those moments. I remember one time I saw, I saw the, I heard Oscar Deloya when he fought Rafael Reles, and he said that he didn't remember too much because he was in the zone. I kind of felt like that too for that fight. Fantastic. Um, what's sparring like? I mean, when you're training for a fight, do you spar hard? Are you a light sparer? You... No, no, no. We always spar hard. For the last fight, we we're sparring against Bam a lot. You know, Bam. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, we, we've always sparred against we've always sparred against like different fighters. Um, we sparred against a lot of eight, like good fighters. So we've never held back on sparring. But obviously, when you start getting closer to the fight, you gotta start cutting back. There was I actually sparred Chocolatito for a while too. Wow, yeah, wow. yeah, that guy's conditioned real good. Um, so then obviously, like there were times where we were like we would spar like four minute rounds with like 10, 15 second breaks in between each round. That was did, killer. What did you think of his last fight? I didn't get to see it. I was in Disneyland with the family. Oh wow! Oh. You know, it was a good yeah. fight. It was a really good fight. I heard a lot, Ronnie, of, people that, a lot, a lot of people thought he lost, though. Correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. This I one, thought he, he won he the did. second one. No, he won the second one hands down. I think we all agree on that one. This one he did lose, but I mean, he still looked good. I mean, he's chocolate. You know, what can you say about that guy? Man? Oh man, that guy's a mon. That guy puts his oh, punches yeah. together very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ronnie, what's it like working? For De La Hoya and Bernard Hopkins, how do you describe those guys? They're larger than life figures. Honestly, I, I can't really say too much because I've never, I've only spoken to De La Hoya a few times. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. To me, it was always working with like Robert Diaz, Ernie, like mm. those guys. Like I always, like those guys are, it's always what happens behind closed doors mm-hmm. that people don't see. Like, oh man, these guys are so, like Oscar De La Hoya and Bernard Hopkins, I don't really, you know, I can't really say much because it's sure. not like we, we would see each other, we say hi and bye and speak very little. Mm-hmm. But the other guys, like Robert Diaz, Ernie, those are the type of guys that you know you go to breakfast with, you go to lunch, you hang after you hang out after the fights. Like yeah. those those guys to me is what makes Golden Boy or you know. How how do you uh, see Golden Boy now? I mean, in terms of the big three that are out there, top rank, PBC, Golden Boy. Um, where where would you rank Golden Boy right now? I think they're up there. I think it's them, Eddie Hearn. Um, it's kind of hard because PBC doesn't put too many shows together, so it's kind of hard. They have a lot of great fighters. Don't get me wrong, but it's just that they 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 don't put as many shows as like you know top rank Golden Boy or Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn is doing yeah. such a good job right now. You know? Yeah, I know. I mean, uh, that was my next question. Out of the big promoters, there, who who do you like the most right now? Out of all of them, I mean, you got. You, I mean, there's just so many guys right now. You got Eddie Hearns, you got Ben Shalom out of the UK as well, and then here on the state side, you got Oscar, you got um, Al Heyman, who's probably Bob Arum. Bob Arum. Bob Arum, yeah. The the thing about all these promoters is that, that they all have good fighters. Top rank, I think, if I'm not mistaken, they have Tyson Fury, correct? Yeah, they have Tyson yeah, Fury. Yeah, so right now, all yeah. these promoters have like all these really really good athletes, all these good fighters. But the thing that's hard is just, I don't know what it is. It's just hard for these fights to materialize. So there's so many fights that we can be seen, but they're not coming to, you know, they're not coming to fruition. All right. So I'll ask you this question because you are in the boxing community. You are alongside fighters. Is it the fighters who don't want to make these fights in most instances, or is it promoters and the networks that are creating the problems? Um, Honestly, there's a lot of stuff that happens behind closed doors and stuff. Um, so it's kind of a little bit of everybody in between. I mean, there's some fighters out there. Don't get me wrong. Um, I can't think of any of them on the top of my head that decides to call out to call out all these fighters, and then when it's time to sign the contract, they don't. But also, too, uh, it's also the terms that a lot of people don't see. It's like you know, it's just okay. You're gonna get more money than this guy. Okay, why is that fair? We both have the same star power. We both I've done more or whatever. So that's one of the big things also too that has these fights that don't come together are the purse bids. A side, B side shit. A side, B side. Yeah. Who's walking out first? You know, 
Um, I, I read somewhere about Davis and, and uh, Ryan Garcia that their fight's in jeopardy because of the rematch clause or something like that. Well, I mean, they're always going to find an excuse for something. Um, currently, Benavides went off on Caleb Plant. Did you catch any of that? Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know what? Honestly, man, my hat goes off to Benavides, man. He's this guy, you know, not only is he entertaining, but he's also selling the fight really good. So, yes. you know, a lot of a lot of fighters, they sell the fight really good. And then when the fight comes, it's kind of like a dual fight. But he's been good so far, man. I think this is going to be a really fun fight to see here, man. Um, I think so, too. I think, Benavides, I think Benavides is going to take it, though. Possibly. Probably. I mean, more likely than not. But I won't be surprised if Caleb, you know, Caleb could pull it out as well. So I would not be surprised if he did. Yeah, yeah. So you, guys are, you guys are from Canada, right? Who is your yeah. top three Canadian fighters? Art Better BF, Arturo Gotti, and I guess Lennox Lewis. He's from England, but he claimed Canada. Those would be our three most uh, notable fighters. I think Lennox Lewis is one of the most underrated heavyweight champions of all time. Absolutely, man. I think he's the only guy who's come back and... Uh, defeated all of his defeat, opponents. He defeated yeah. all his opponents and he came back and uh, took care of his losses. Yeah, yeah, he beat Oliver McCann. I seen Rockman not, and actually knocked him out. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Both of them, and uh, a lot of people were weren't giving him credit for Vitaly Klitschko, but obviously, if he saw that fight, that would cut that fight had to be a stop. You know, yeah. as I was yeah. coming out. Well, I'm gonna throw a Canadian boxer's name out to you as well, just to get your even if you've heard of him. He used to be a former bantamweight champion, IBF champion, Steve Molitor. Do you recall him at all? Yeah, no, yeah, anyways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's been on the show. He's a good friend of the show. Um, your thoughts on him and his career? Uh, see, any- I've heard of the name. I just, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he had a loss against him. Who was it that beat him? Uh, he lost to uh, Carl Frampton in, in, in the UK, I believe. That was his last fight. Yeah, yeah, right. Carl Frampton. Yeah, I think it yeah. was him. Yeah. He's a good fighter. Uh, Steve, Steve Monster. Also, too, John Pascal was a good fighter. Yeah, too. I was going to say that. John Pascal was one of yeah, my Yeah, John too. Pascal was a good fighter. Gotti, obviously, probably. Gotti, it's either between Gotti or Lennox Lewis that had to be the most famous Canadian oh, fighter. Yeah, yeah. Well, Lennox Lewis only was Canadian, just to clarify, because he couldn't make the British boxing team, I believe. So yeah, he, that's he right. was already in Canada. So he got accepted to fight for the Canadian boxing Olympic team. And that's why he. I was think he won the gold medal, didn't he? He, he won, won the, the gold yeah, yeah, he won the gold yeah, medal. Yeah. But I mean, the only unfortunate part about Mr. Lewis, and I love him to death, don't get me wrong. If he's listening, don't take it the wrong way. He became <laughs> British when it worked out for him. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Everybody has to, you know, everybody has everybody has a uh, everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. has their side no, of the story. I, I, just, so it's kind I, of hard, I, yeah. I I just found it interesting that he found his accent again all of a sudden. That's all I'm saying. He just he didn't have one. <laughs> Sorry. Honestly, that guy's, one of the, that guy's one of the most underrated heavyweights of all time. <laughs> yeah, no. So, Ronnie, if you were to come out of if you were to come out of retirement, is there any fighters that you'd be interested in fighting? Do you have your eyes set on, or just open to hearing? Uh, probably, probably Lay Woods. Lay Woods. Woods. Yeah, maybe Ray Vargas again. Um, obviously, I would never be able to make one twenty two. So, you know, anybody at one twenty six. But like I said, I would have to see where I'm at. Physically, because yeah. it is hard when once you become a family man, you know it's it's kind of hard to get to find that time. Also, too, when you have a newborn, it's kind of hard to beat that away from that from them without missing them. So you know, you never know. I'm not gonna rule it out completely, and I'm not gonna you know. But 
Well, we hope we we hope to see you in the ring again soon, man. We, we should really do. I really. I won't. Come, I wouldn't come back unless I was like. I was no, like, really we wouldn't good. want you to come back unless you're 100 percent there Thank mentally you, and physically. Right? There's no other way to do it, in my opinion. Um, who do you like watching these days? Like, um, is there any particular fighter that you're? Any fighter that uh, there's a bunch of fighters that I like to watch. Lomachenko, he's fun. Uh, David Henry really surprised me his last fight, man. He looked really sure. His last two fights, I take it back. He looked really good. Um, you know who also? Um, El Camarón, he's doing real good. He's doing really good. Um, that yeah, I like watching him, he's really entertaining. You can never go wrong with like Tyson Fury. Um, you know, my brother, I love to watch Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford. Uh, who else? I'm trying to think. Navarrete is pretty exciting too. Yeah, yeah, he didn't. He didn't look that great in his last fight, though. I mean, you gotta keep in mind that he's going. He, that's his third weight class, like you know. Yeah, no, no, hundred yeah. percent. But I mean, if he if he was supposed to fight Oscar Valdez in that yeah, fight, yeah. right? And if that was the case, Oscar would have. I mean, I think he would have beat him based on the way. Oh he yeah, went. yeah. But also, too, you guys also keep. You guys also got to keep in mind that a fighter also elevates his game when the fight is, you know, a lot more. Perfect example of that for the top of my head was Eric Morales. I remember Eric Morales when he would fight like people that that weren't that known. He would kind of struggle with them, you know, and then he would fight like Manny Pacquiao and he would come through and win. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's absolutely. a fair point. Very fair point. Yeah, I remember. I remember when he he fought. I think Zahir Ahim. I don't know if you guys remember him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know who he is. Yeah, as a hero, him and he lost to him, and he came back, and then he was beating Pacquiao, but then I think he ran out of gas and got stopped in the tenth. If I'm not mistaken. No, so, you're right. I remember that fight? So, yeah, so we, we're probably gonna get Lomo and David Haney here pretty soon. Uh, based on what Lomo looked like in his last fight, I feel like he's missing something. Um, would you agree with that? And do you think this is Haney's fight to lose? I, I, I me personally. I mean, again, I'm the guy who picked David Haney as my boxer of the year, only for the fact that he's fought only top competition. He won undisputed, defended undisputed, both off American soil, off of home soil. Um, yeah. I just don't think he got enough credit in the pound for pound. Um, but based on Momo's last fight also, I don't know if that's just because of everything going on in Ukraine and what have you. He just didn't look like Lomo. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think you're right on that sense. Uh, if, if anybody had won fight of the year, it was either Haney or um, uh, Bebu. Yeah, Bevol. He's man. He's freaking. He's dominating right now, oh, yeah. man. Yeah, he took out. Uh, he took out Zerdo, right? That's the last fight. So yeah, yeah. To also, you know, who's also a lot of, uh, that's doing very good, and they don't get credit are the women, man. The women are really doing good. Brother yeah. Ben, you're right up my aisle. I, I am a big promoter of the female boxing scene. Uh, Alicia Baumgartner this past weekend just looked amazing. I thought that was a better fight than the Serrano fight that followed afterwards. I mean, yeah. I mean we're, we're now we're lining this big rematch, uh, Katie Taylor, Serrano in Ireland now. So we got that May 20th. That's huge. Um, it's not in Cork Park, unfortunately. That's where they wanted it. But um, they were they were giving them hassle out there, man. Eddie Hearns was talking about it. They were trying to get Crow Park, which is like their biggest stadium out there in Ireland, and the amount of money that they wanted and the amount of rights and fees that they were looking for, based on what he was saying, there would be hardly any money to pay anyone. 
Yeah, honestly, man, I think that if uh, the girls are selling out these stadiums and all these fights, I think I think they should get paid too. You know, I mean, like yeah, I, like you know, people. There's a lot of people say, oh, you know, it's not the same. I was like, why is it the same? They're selling the same amount of seats. If I'm not mistaken, there's people tuning in, so why not pay them? Well, I mean, I guess so. Yeah. I, I guess it's with every case. So, like again, I'm a big fan of the female boxing scene. Yeah. Right? Uh, but I also understand the economics of it. Like if you are not filling up the stadium, then yeah, your pay grade should be accordingly. But in the case, like, you know, I think there's only maybe a handful. We talk about this on the show all the time. There, There's boxing fans like us who know everyone and anyone who fights because that's all we do is watch, you know, yeah. and then consume this. But then you got the casual fan, which I feel like, you know, this is where we get into some heated debate sometimes is, you know, why do we have to cater everything for the casual fan? You know, I get it. They bring that dollar and whatnot. But in terms of the casual fan, if they're not picking up on, on some of these names and what have you, then they're not going to get that money, obviously. Right. I mean, if, if you look at it in boxing terms, who are the four guys yeah. that probably bring in the biggest numbers? Canelo, uh, Fury, Chance? Canelo Those would be the two top two top dogs, right? right? Yeah. yeah. If if there's anyone who's gonna make 20 million off a fight, would be only those guys. And then it's a huge drop-off. If you look at the pay, like okay, yeah. if you if you look at the card, Canelo gets 20 million, uh Caleb got four. But then after that, everyone else is in a maybe a hundred thousand, all the way down to four to five thousand. Yeah, yeah. Also, too. Uh, I think Joshua too, he sounds a pretty he makes a lot of money too. No, Joshua, yeah. yeah, he's got his uh, yeah. Franklin fight coming up as well. I mean, he sold out some big stadiums in Europe and everything. But do you think that the European fighters officially make it when they come to North America? Or do they need North America to become something? That's a good question. I mean, there's a lot of fighters, you know, that just... that like Connor uh, Ben. Connor Ben, yeah. Connor I mean, Ben, Chris yeah. Eubank. Um, you know, guys like that, that that have huge names and huge followings in the UK scene. Um, but are virtually unheard of over here. One of my favorite European fighters, um, I'm pretty sure you guys remember him, Nassim Hamed. Yeah, oh, yeah. Nassim Hamed. Oh, that guy was yeah, a character, man. The prince. Exciting, man. Yeah. That guy was a character, though, man. Like uh, some of his interviews and stuff. And I love how they do things in the UK. The post-fight interviews with the fighter sitting on the apron, you know, very cash yeah. and whatnot. And uh, there was this one interview with Nassim where he was just like, I swear to God, he was just doing things to the guy beside him that I, I'm surprised he didn't want to punch him in the face, but just that energy. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's funny. Um, there's like so many characters. I know he's one of the characters that stands out me because he's so flamboyant. You know, he was oh, sure. yeah. yeah, he was so, he always show up. Another person too that comes to mind, like he show up, not like him, but I'm trying to think. Who else was flamboyant like that besides Nassim? Because I got uh, uh, Amir Khan. Um, Floyd Mayweather, no, not, not in the same, not no, in the same no, 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 I guess so. But I think you know what? He's Floyd kind of Money Mayweather, yeah, money, but no, but Nassim was just this character, man. Like, yeah, he, yeah, he would come out dancing. I remember when he would knock people out, he would dance and do backflips. What well, wasn't it when he came to Madison Square Garden? He he let his ring walk was longer than the fight, he got knocked out or something. I or, remember, oh, or Nassim was never other... got knocked out. Nassim no, was no, no, sorry, 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 he knocked him out, but his ring walk was forever. like <laughs> Me, I, remember I remember he had a, the he's all, like, the, the, all that war with that was it, Kevin Kelly. That was his mm -hmm. American debut, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think there was like what six, seven knockdown knockdowns in the whole fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and he, yeah, his, yeah. His shorts were fun. bigger than his legs, man. I remember that. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He had he the was... right, like uh, ring gear. How how do you, like I noticed in yours, you were the really you know uh, more conservative style ring gear. How do you describe the guys who fight with all the tassels, the feathers, and all that shit hanging off their trunks, man? Isn't that the distraction, or or could I mean uh, to me? I, I don't. It depends, like. If I were to fight with them, I feel like I would trip on them, you know? Like, that's my that's my thing is, like, trip on the thing. And the referee says it's a knockdown. I was like, oh, I tripped. Like, what are you talking about? But I don't know. I, I, I personally wouldn't be able to do it off. And I, one of the things that I that I personally liked um, my last couple of fights was having the shorter shorts. Because sometimes when they're, they're baggy, it's uncomfortable. For me, I like, I like them a little bit above the knee. Yeah, you go back to the 80s style, man. Yeah, yeah. I like, Ronnie. I like that. What yeah. do you think about the celebrity boxing, boxing or boxers like Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva? Have you seen any of that? What are your thoughts on that kind of no, stuff? No, I haven't seen. I mean, I haven't seen the fight, but I've, I've heard of it. And obviously, a lot of people, a lot of people get like mad about it because oh, that's not real boxing. But then, if they really look at it, they are putting real fight. They are putting fighters on the undercards, and they're paying them well. So I mean, you know, if it's selling and, and there's fighters making money off it, why not? I mean, exactly. making money off. I'm pretty sure the guys that are fighting on the undercards aren't complaining. No, I totally agree with you. Totally agree. Yeah. I, I mean, think I'll, about it. I I'm I'm a bit of a purist, old school guy, just the way I am. Um, it took me a while to warm up to Jake Paul, but after the Anderson fight, I I saw how far he's come and how you know yeah. serious he's actually taking it. So you know, I I kind of wish him the best now. Like I think you know he's on that path. Um, I guess he's fighting Tommy now. Uh, yeah, Tommy. Yeah. Um, yeah. For as a boxer, are you going for Tommy the boxer, or are you going for the YouTuber and Jake Paul? Because if he beats, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, how do you feel about that? Like from a boxer's perspective, one yeah. of your brethren are going into the ring with a YouTube guy. Like, you know what I mean? It's just kind of like, yeah. How's the, how do you think the boxing the boxers in the boxing community feel about that? I mean, I don't know. I can't. I can't speak for them, but yeah, I can yeah. speak. For, I can just speak for myself. If yeah. if um if uh Jake Paul gets ready and wins, why doesn't he deserve it? You know what I mean? It's like he put in the work. He's sparring. He, if you really think about it, he, at this point, he is a real fighter. Yeah, you know, no, and I yeah. agree. And I think yeah, he's fighting. Yeah, fighting. He's winning. Not only that, he's getting other fighters paid as well too. And I heard that. If I'm not mistaken, there was something I read that he wants like fighters to be taken care of after the ring. Yeah, um, he, like, he's looking. He's looking to. Uh, he wants to start like a fighters union. Yeah, um, you, you know, so he's trying to do something like that. Now I don't know how far he's come with it or where he's at with it right now, but I think he's talking. He wants Anderson Silva to be a part of it. I think that was like their deal. If he lost, that he'd you know come and join him on that and what have you. So. Um, yeah. But what about the misfit boxing stuff, like that KSI stuff and things like that? Like that—that's more of a gimmick, isn't it? In your opinion, I, I mean, I, I mean, if, if they're putting in the work and obviously if they're if they like to fight, then why not, man? It's like yeah. When I first started boxing, I wasn't like, oh, I'm a real fighter. I was I was barely starting off. I just loved to do it. And I continued to do it. Mm-hmm. What what's what's the difference between them? You know, they love to do it. Awesome. They want to do it. And they're awesome. getting paid for it. And they're yeah. also getting other fighters paid for it, too. And yeah. they're also bringing new crowds into the boxing. Isn't yeah, that yeah. what we need? 
No, no, 100%. Absolutely. I totally yes, agree with you, 100%. Yeah. And we're only asking you this question because you're, you know, you are a fighter and you know, it's just kind of nice to get the input from a fighter opposed to us guessing what fighters think and stuff. So, yeah. you know, that's why we kind of bring those kind of questions to the forefront. I mean, a little there's bit. some fighters that I know that they get, they get bothered or they get mad because obviously they're like, oh, how come I'm not making that money? Is like, well, you know, it's different. Where if you know, you're gonna see, you're gonna make as much as you sell out. So, exactly, hundred percent. No, I totally 100%. agree. You can't hate on somebody for being successful. <laughs> no, you can't. No, hundred percent. You can only emulate it, man. I mean, you just have to work your ass off to get what you want. Yeah, you know, if like I said, man, if if you're gonna if you want to complain about something, then do something about it. Exactly. Yep. No, we, we yep. agree with you completely, man. Uh, nothing is free in this world. You want something, you have to work your ass off for it, man. Right? You can sit. You can sit. You can sit back and criticize other people and talk behind their backs, but then they they're doing something that you want to do, and they're making money doing it. No, the they can't knock them for that. No, not at all, man. Yeah. Not at all. I just wish them the best, and you know. Yeah. Um. We also there's also a lot of people out there that. There's also a lot of people that see this and they get bothered and like, oh, I hope this guy gets knocked out. I was like, nah, I was like, I don't want to see anybody get hurt, you know? Yeah, I know, hundred percent. Uh, speaking of knockouts, after your first knockout, uh, unfortunately, I don't want to bring this up. Um, I, I've read articles and I've looked into things where they say that when someone gets knocked out, it's also your 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 body automatically, your brain is already programmed to prevent that from happening again. Is that, do you find that to be true? Do you find that your chin is becomes weaker because of that, from that, from that psychological standpoint, you know what I'm I mean, trying to get at? No, no, I've heard of that, but, uh, from your perspective, how did you recover? Uh, honestly, you can, you, you can believe anything you want, but for me, I recovered when I lost to Robinson, I didn't recover to one fight afterwards. Cause I came back and I fought somebody. And it went the distance. I remember it was a boring fight. And then right after him, I fought Jason Velez, who was an undefeated fighter, you know. And mm -hmm. obviously, I came out victorious. So I'll, I just believe that you're only going to get the results you put in for what yeah, you fought, uh, Sergio Faraz after that. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah Sergio. And, and you won your dominant decision. It, it was a 10 round fight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, that was a boring fight. I remember that I, I did not live up to my standards and stuff like that. So. I was disappointed in that fight. Awesome. All right. So uh, what we'd like to do right now is Chance likes to uh, – Chance, if you want, take it away, bro. Yeah, I'd like to do a name association game. I'm going to throw out some names of some boxers and just give me what you think comes to the top of your head about them. Just to kind okay. of wind up the show. All right. Um, Manny Pacquiao. Six-time world champion. Uh, Arturo Thundergotti. One of the most exciting fighters I ever lived. Tyson Fury. One of the best heavyweights that people don't talk about that much. The and best heavyweight. That, yeah, the, I think he's the best heavyweight right now. Totally agree. And it's a fighter you mentioned earlier, Eric Morales. Um, Eric Morales, I think of, you guys are not going to believe, I always think of, uh, have you guys ever heard of this food called ceviche? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so there was this there was this KO magazine that I had that I had with him on the cover. So they did an interview about Eric Morales, and in the pictures of the interview, he was eating ceviches. So I was remember I was like, man, I look good. <laughs> Sugar Shane Mosley. Oh man, I don't know for some reason. Oh man, he was he was one of my biggest. He was one of my favorite fighters growing up, and I just think like. 
I remember his dad, uh, I want to say Jack Mosey, his dad used to train him. And he used to say he used to say that the way he his fighting style was was power boxing. Mm. So ever since then, I just think of uh power, but like all American power boxing because he was he was real good. Cool. And one more for you, Felix Trinidad. Left hook, man, that guy has such an unbelievable left hook. You know, he was so good. Um, I remember his all that war with Fernando Vargas. That was such a good fight. Yeah, so it was very good fight. Actually, I got a couple here, if I may, really quickly, only because I'm just curious to see what you think. Teofimo Lopez. Teofimo, that's a hard one because honestly, when I saw him, when I used to see him early on, he was such a knockout sensation. This guy has so much confidence. And um, I still think he has that confidence, but I don't know if you guys saw his last fight. When he, was, when he was in the corner and he's like, oh man, do I still have, do I still got it? So it kind of makes me think like he's kind of questioning himself. So I can I can relate to him. So I want to just say you know, perfect example of uh, perfect example of um, mentality. Do you think Combosos broke him? No what? Do you think George broke him? George Combosos Junior? Do you think he think broke so. him? I don't think so. I don't think I don't think as as a fighter somebody can break you like that. I think it's I think I I always say this is more physical, more mental than physical. You know, how, because how if you really think about it, he didn't knock him out. He didn't yeah. complete. He just outboxed him. But I just think maybe he's just maybe he just has that mental block that's not letting him. Because I remember at one point he was so freaking, he was so like confident. He was yeah. just explosive. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I personally think he can get back to it. I just think he needs to, you know, obviously change it up. Meant more mental than physically. How much do you think his dad plays a role in this? As a, his dad, only he would know because as a fighter, you, you know, as a as somebody looking in, I don't really know him, so I don't know how his dad is around him. But I did, I did. I don't know if you guys ever heard this. If you guys ever saw this video of Robert Garcia, mm -hmm. they were interviewing him in his gym because I've been to his gym countless times. They were interviewing him, and he says that sometimes he said the dad has more of an effect on the fighter than the fighter because. After sparring bad, you know, he starts telling them stuff and he starts breaking them down mentally. And that where's the fighter going to fight. So, you know, I think a lot of I think a lot of truth is into it. Like you never know what goes on in, in a fighter's camp until they come out and they actually say. Yeah, because we were talking about we were debating about this a couple of weeks ago on an episode. We were talking about dads and, you know, father son tandems in boxing. And the only one that I thought had a positive effect on anything was Bill bill and devin haney and because i mean you look at you look at benavides's dad he gets right in there as well and you got yeah. tio's dad who gets right in there and what have you and you know just kind of like how we just we were just going back and forth like okay what effect do these fathers have on their sons and would their careers be better at some point if their dads weren't so involved and just their trainers were who knows you know I'm, i mean my dad never coached me so it's yeah, kind of yeah, hard, yeah. Kind of yeah. hard to say but i mean I, I would have to say that yeah there there probably is depending how the dad or what the dad says and obviously there there has to be a side effect i just don't know what it, yeah, what yeah. it would be you know no 100 percent all right, Ronnie, listen, man, I tell you what, man, this has been absolutely phenomenal. I really we really enjoyed having you Thank on you. the show and we would love to have you on again. Yeah. Um, you know, just to talk shop and talk boxing. We got some great fights coming up here pretty soon. So 
maybe, uh, you know, after some of those, we can get you on just to kind of break it down and get your perspective on what's going down. And uh, again, we want to say thank you so much and a big thank you to your missus for, for uh, you know, keeping it all together for you guys here. So you thank can you. do this with us tonight and uh, best wishes to you and the family. And I hope the little, the little one comes out strong and powerful like her papa. I appreciate it. I appreciate it so much. And like you guys said, I hope you guys are, are the number one podcast. So I wish you guys the best. Okay. Thank you. Keep it up, guys. Hey, Keep brother, it congratulations. Up, um, Thank you. Absolutely. And you know what? If you can, just tell tell the other boys about us and let them know if they're looking to come on our show. And we're here for everybody, for sure. man. Uh, you know, let Bab know. Let everybody know, man. Just say you just for met sure, the, for sure. uh, the only thing, the only, the, only, the only advice I can give you guys, guys, yeah. is just be different. You know, just be different. Something that yeah. people are going to want to watch your show. Give them a reason why you guys are different than most people. When I tell you today, what, man, Ronnie, tonight we gave today, up something. Tonight today, we today I felt like, I felt like, and this is just me saying, I felt like this podcast was a little different because you guys already knew some background and you guys weren't like your typical asking the same questions, you know, so uh, man, it goes out to you guys, man. Keep it no, up, guys. I wish you the best. Thank you very much, man. It takes, it's work, right? It's all putting that work of course, in. Man. Uh, might take, you know. take a while, man. It might take a while. Let me tell you guys a story because I read a lot, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys are familiar with Tyler Perry. Yeah, yes. yes. Okay, so Tyler Perry, when he first started writing his screenplays, he wasn't selling. He yeah. kept doing. He was paying his. He was paying out of pocket for his screenplays for the Medina well, ones. The Medina ones, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Medina ones. And he said that at one point he said he felt like quitting because he just he was he was it was costing him money. Little by little, he kept going at it, he kept going at it, and his, 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 his place started selling more, selling more, and then all of a sudden, they started selling now. Uh, if you look at him now, he's not worth half a billion dollars for nothing, guys. Hey, man, like I <laughs> well, said, nothing nothing comes easy, and, and the guys who work hard, the, the guys and girls who work hard are the ones who succeed and achieve, and we are not going to stop until the big man upstairs decides to take us <laughs> home. So, until you know. Time's up, that's right, man. That's We're it, right? We're all time. We're Ronnie, thank you. Your first class guy. I really appreciate your thank time. You. Yeah, Good absolutely. Gentlemen. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you so much, brother, man. And uh, again, God bless. And uh, I hope the best for, for you guys and a safe and happy delivery. Likewise, because I wish you guys the best. Right. Okay, guys? Take thank care, brother, man. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay,